there, my name is Kathleen and this is the Osborne Tapes, the re-release of the Analyst Corner podcast with Debbie Osborne. This is the last episode in our series, but stay tuned for a special wrap-up episode with me, Jason Elder, and the one and only Debbie Osborne. Today's episode is about online education and training and features David Jimenez. David is retired from the Air Force having served 24 years as an intelligence analyst. And then he worked in analysis for over 22 years with federal law enforcement. And he is currently a strategic intelligence analysis for the West Texas high-intensity drug trafficking area. David is a criminal intelligence certified analyst with the International Association of Law Enforcement Intelligence Analysts and conferred the Intelligence Fundamentals Professional Certificate with the Department of Defense. David is also an adjunct professor at my alma mater, Penn State University, where he teaches advanced analytic methods for geospatial intelligence. In this episode, David and Debbie discuss some of the challenges of being an online instructor and setting up a course, and the difference between online training and online education, as well as the need for both. They discuss how training is developed and focused on skills versus academia, which is goal, objective, and concept-oriented for degrees. And this episode really stresses the importance of signing up for continuing education credits or certification programs and continuing to grow your knowledge base as a working professional. Linked in the notes below are updated resources mentioned in David and Debbie's conversation, as well as contact information for David and links toward his work, as well as some of the educational resources mentioned in the episode. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode with David Jimenez. Today's topic is online education and crime and intelligence analysis. Our guest is David Jimenez. David is currently the Director of Training, Education, and Career Development for the International Association of Law Enforcement Intelligence Analysts. He is also an online faculty instructor with the American Military University, where he instructs courses on intelligence, criminal intelligence, and law enforcement intelligence applications. He is also an analyst with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Service and retired from the U.S. United States Air Force. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. Hello, Deborah. Good to, have, uh, good to talk with you again. Yes, it's really great to have you on. Um, both David and I, um, for the audience, I also teach online at the university level um, in course, courses in crime and intelligence analysis. So um, this, I think this show will be valuable to listeners who either haven't considered um, becoming an online student or or have thought about it but thought it's probably not a good way to learn. And also perhaps some of the analysts um, in the field who are thinking of becoming online instructors someday in the future, perhaps when they retire or, or decide to take a different track in their, prof- in their professional development. So how did you, how did you start teaching online and what, what is it like to teach online from your perspective? Well, I actually got involved with teaching at a local university back in the late 90s. Uh, I started out with adult continuing education, and that in itself turned into a, a three-credit-hour class with, uh, uh, with an undergraduate degree program here in El Paso. And from there, I found out about American Military University and um, was able to actually develop courses uh, uh, over the years uh, with, with both AMU and several other online degree uh, university programs, and it's fascinating. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's fascinating because I get to I get to actually not meet with students, but actually get to be able to teach and learn from students who uh, 
are across the United States as well as um, uh, in other countries, uh, uh, predominantly U.S. Uh, uh, citizens. So it, it's, it's just a fascinating experience to, to be able to learn from them at the same time that I teach uh, the courses that they're enrolled in. And um, so as an instructor, how, how does one teach online? Because let me just say, I, I also um, I teach for the American Military University. I've taken a brief time off, but I'm resuming again next month. And I particularly liked the training provided as in, for new instructors when I first started at American Military University. And I enjoy the length of the, of the courses, the courses I um, will be teaching again, and the courses I taught before are eight week long courses. But so um, from your perspective, what is it like to actually be a teacher in the sense of what do you do? Well, it's actually um, it's it's quite challenging. It's 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 not as easy as one would think it to be. Uh, you, you have to be able to deal with uh, uh, curriculum development, uh, dealing with uh, course objectives, and understanding um, uh, learning outcomes, uh, even even um, uh, the taxonomies that are used to describe what it is that you want students to do. In, in the earlier years of, uh, of their pursuit in education, uh, graduating into uh, the four-year degree programs and even beyond into the master's program. So the challenges are there. Um, and it, there, there's, there's just so much to learn. Of course, AMU is an example uh, uh, who I teach with. Uh, many of the other universities that I've taught with before also have similar uh, challenges and, and uh, um, training programs that are offered to their faculty in, in curriculum development and being able to teach online and understanding the students' needs uh, in relation to the courses that they're enrolled in. And of course, having um, a number of resources available uh, to teach the courses, to include the text material, uh, is another challenge because you, you have, you have new, new developments in the field uh, in terms of crime analysis and in terms of intelligence and, and related programs that may be of interest to analysts. Right, and from my perspective, the the difference, one of the main differences in teaching um, in person, I, I also have taught in person um, at Mercyhurst Northeast College. I used to drive down to Pennsylvania, and I'm from Buffalo and teach for a few semesters um, there. And you could change your your materials, and you could respond to the students and change your course somewhat during the course as, as you were teaching, and you also had to prepare your lectures, but as an online instructor, you really have to pre you have to design everything ahead of time. I mean, you really you can add things, but you're the one of the biggest challenges is to conceive everything and present it in a way so that it stands alone, and you you then you add to it somewhat as you might participate in online discussions or or, or post some kind of um, lecture notes weekly or whatever you decide to do. But but the challenge is, is that you really have to think ahead. And I think um, that's, from my perspective, one of the biggest challenges. Um, what I teach, um, my first teaching experience online, I was invited to teach for Empire State College Center for Distance Learning. Empire State College is a, is a um, non-traditional college with the State University of New York, which also happens to be my alma mater. And when I went there, they, actually when I first started my undergraduate degree, there was no online 
there was no computer. So and that really wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough ago that perhaps there was some sort of online thing, but it would be experimental. And I, I actually never did take any online courses um, for my bachelor's or master's degrees in that college. But the Center for Distance Learning really um, was cutting edge and develop, also developing, as AMU is all online, um, Empire State College isn't, but their Center for Distance Learning is um, is very well developed and the criteria there is high. And so my the person who had read my master's project um, knew that knew that it was on crime and intelligence analysis. So I developed a course called Crime and Intelligence Analysis and, and I really enjoy teaching that course. But um one one thing I, I know we we belong to both belong to a listserv and um, there was a question about online online training. And there is a big difference between, in my mind, there's a big difference between training and education. Um, sometimes they can be mixed, but what, what's your perspective on that? Well, um, um, uh, interesting that you should ask because I, I'm always looking at both. I, I participate in both, uh, whether it's at conferences or as while I'm teaching and or making recommendations. Um, a lot of it has to do with how how the training is developed and focused, and 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 unlike uh, uh, the educational aspects of a of a particular course, a training may serve the needs of an individual organization, and it may not necessarily have the same le desired learning outcomes or objectives as you would have in uh, in academia. But there are a lot of parallels, as you mentioned. And sometimes you'll have a hybrid. And sometimes the lines are blurred between both training and, training and education. Uh, now, while I have always looked out uh, to, to look at opportunities and, and, and provide information to, to many people about uh, online universities across the country and, and, and what is being offered, uh, whether it's through the listing that we have on the ILA website uh, or even on my website, uh, there are also training opportunities that, uh, that that crime and intelligence analysts can participate in, and in fact, some of it is even free. For example, the uh, the Anacapa Sciences uh, website on their training tab has uh, free critical thinking and intelligence analysis uh, uh, courses that you can actually take physically uh, on the internet through their through their website, and it takes about I think four or five hours. To complete, and uh, so that gives you both uh, a sort of a training aspect uh, or dimension to to uh, the topics, as well as earning a certificate, and it also gives you the ability to navigate around and get a feel for uh, being able to actually learn uh, through the internet. Um, and, and there are a number of others uh, that are also free, and and again they focus on training. Uh, whereas education, obviously, uh, has more to deal with uh, uh, specific programs, uh, degree-oriented. Uh, so it, it boils down to what best suits uh, your, your individual need at the time. Right. And, and from my perspective, if I'm an analyst and I'm going to training, I want to learn a skill that I can apply to my workplace in general. You know, the, the concept of, in my crime and intelligence analysis course, which I developed, the, the students consider the policy itself, the idea, the, the the background of like why are we even analyzing crime and what's the history of analy intelligence analysis and crime analysis and why is it 
why are things the way they are today post 9/11? And they consider it more from a um, policy or or um, a question of of theories too. Like why do we do things? And then they go on to to learn more about what analysts do, and they actually do some exercises, which is more like training them. You know, they actually analyze statistics of of cities, crime statistics of cities, and compare them. They actually um, analyze a serial criminal's behavior. Now they don't do it in a way that they could get a degree in profiling, but they, they have to use the concepts. So they learn the concepts and the, uh, the knowledge we have, at least a little bit of it, about about certain type of um, 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 field of study, and then they apply it. And that applying it is, is like what, a, what training would do. You learn something, and then you apply it to the real world. Um, and, but of course, they're not working in the world, real world. They're just working <laughs> in, in, in the electronic classroom. But in, a good training would give you some skills so that you could take them to the real world. Oh, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I and mean, I think it's beneficial uh, for, for any analyst uh, in, in their career path. Uh, uh, into the future uh, to, to take the uh, advantage of the opportunities when they avail themselves uh, of both the training opportunities, whether it's delivered, say, at uh, a professional association's conference uh, or even if it's available locally. And, um, and education is just as important uh, depending on, on, on what they're trying to pursue. And, and there, there's always a, a good opportunity to blend both. Right, right. Um, what is, who is, I have people approach me, or they might not be approaching me, but I'm in conversation with them and I tell them that I teach online. And they say to me, well, I could never do that. I need to go to a real classroom. I need, I need, um, I can't even imagine how you could teach online. That's just beyond my ability. And they don't, they think it's just either they're frightened by it or they um, don't think they have the skills to do it or they just, don't, or they think it's not legitimate. So who, before we talk about legitimacy, who is the ideal online student? Who who will benefit most from taking a course online? You know, not everyone can do it. It is true not everyone can do it, but I do think more people could do it than think they can. I, I would think, I, I think I would agree. Um, I, I, I've, I've often heard that, uh, and I think it's true to some extent, that online uh, both online learning and online teaching is not for everyone. Uh, it does require, obviously, it will require uh, uh, varying degrees of, of technical uh, proficiency and capability in terms of uh, software and and, uh, and uh, levels of Internet Explorer and whether or not you're using a Mac or, or a uh, regular uh, computer. Um, but, but getting back to your question about uh, who, who would, best uh, be eligible to do that sort of, sort of uh, career educational uh, pursuit, uh, it would have to be somebody that's, uh, you would have to have a, a level of discipline because studying on your own in front of a computer, uh, unlike the traditional brick and mortar classroom, you have no one standing over your shoulder. You have no one driving you. So you have to, you have to be self-driven and want to be able to uh, succeed, learn, and uh, deal with with uh, more uh, on the technology side um, than you would in a, in a traditional classroom. Uh, the, 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 the fascinating aspect of, of coming into the classroom 
on the internet is the ability to to meet with others uh, uh, in your class, although you get you may not get to meet them. Uh, they, they'll, they'll come from all walks of life and across the country, or even in some cases, in some classes overseas. And so you get to broaden your horizons and, and have uh, perspectives that you wouldn't necessarily find in a traditional classroom. So not being afraid of technology and being self-driven and motivated um, are, I think, some very important uh, uh, ingredients that, that go into the desire to learn online, as well as um, um, b being able to, to stay the course. In other words, uh, to, to pursue it all the way right through, through its completion. And so I, I, there are a lot of reasons for, uh, why people decide to choose uh, the traditional method over, or, over online. Some students will actually combine both. Uh, they'll take credit hour classes at a local university or college and, and perhaps fulfill other requirements uh, through, through distance learning. So uh, the, the options are always there. Um, so how do you speak to the issue of how legitimate is it to get a degree online? I know some people um, might think that other someone else can be on your computer doing your work for you or think you know, how do how do the how do the um, educational institutions deal with that idea, and and how legitimate? I mean, I obviously do believe, as you do, that learning an online degree can be, is valuable, and if if and it might even be more difficult to earn, not easier to earn. So, how how would you deal with the legitimacy issue, or what do you think about it? Well, you, you raise some very interesting questions, some that uh, I've, I've raised over and over again um, about uh, uh, students, uh, the credentials, their access to the course materials. and uh, But starting from the beginning, uh, when you bring up the, uh, um, the topic of legitimacy, a lot of it has to do with uh, a level of, uh, of credentialing or accreditation. And I, I think that's one of a number of uh, Key things that that students should look at when they're when they're looking at the possibility of uh, enrolling in an online university, and you know what what distinguishes one from another, and, and there's a whole array of different factors involved. But the accreditation part I think is important, uh, and there, you have different levels of accreditation. You, you have some schools that are, are are very good in what they produce and provide, and are licensed or recognized by the state. And, and 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 that in itself uh, may may entitle the student to uh, tuition assistance or or reduction based on the agencies that they work for. Uh, you graduate into uh, that into other areas such as the Distance Education Training Council or DETC, and that opens up doors for 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 other tuition uh, benefits. Uh, and uh, it's also recognized by the federal government. So that opens the doors to the military as well, DETC. And, of course, the, the optimal uh, accreditation would be your regional accreditations, uh, uh, such as North Central Association of Colleges. So uh, just because uh, an online university may not be regionally accredited doesn't necessarily mean or infer that uh, you should stay away from that because there are schools uh, that, that uh, may not have regional accreditation, but yet uh, are worth pursuing because they have specific programs and courses that are of interest and 
or uh, have a good uh, cadre of faculty on board uh, to deliver those courses. So uh, the choices are there. And so the accreditation or uh, how do you uh, gauge the, the legitimacy has, has a lot to do with uh, the different levels of uh, accreditation that, that I just mentioned. So I, I, I think you know, the student, uh, prospective student, doing their homework in advance uh, topics such as cost and the degree programs being offered and and the online environment and the timing and 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 uh, the accreditation are, are just a number of things that they need to weigh in before they enroll. And and so once a student enrolls, um, all classes won't look the same, but there'll be some characteristics and common qualities in classes. I mean, some a class doesn't have to have all these, but what would you consider an ideal class, online class, and of course it will depend on the subject, but what kinds of, what, what are, we can help our listeners understand what they might find in an online class because many of them might not be able to conceive of what it is. They might, if they're analysts or they're interested in analysis, they can go to the Anna Capital training site and get the feel for the online experience, but as an um, instructor at the college or university level, um, and we both have design classes, What we know what kinds of things could be in a good class. So from your perspective, what, what would you expect, at least what are some things that might be in a class, or what are many things and some of them should be in an ideal class? I think a student should expect um, a lot of quality content within a course. And everything is pivotal to, to making a decision uh, based on whether or not they decide to pursue any particular course. And a lot of it has to do with a number of things. Um, the, the, the instructor background and qualifications, uh, uh, sort of kind of like the question, you know, have they been there, done that sort of thing. Uh, what does the syllabus look like? Does, does it contain uh, specific course objectives? And are there materials available in the class, aside from the syllabus, that support those objectives, and as well as the text material, whether it's uh, an, an e-book, uh, electronic book, or, or actually a hard copy? Uh, what do the what do the assignments look like? Uh, what is the average no, What are the average number of pages uh, required to be read each week? Uh, what are the What are the the examination requirements are are the quizzes are there their midterms uh, what sort of papers are required uh, research uh, papers and basically a, a number of those things uh, to include uh, interaction with uh, with other students uh, basically I think rounds off uh, uh, the decision to pursue a particular course or even even with the university uh, do they offer those. Uh, as, as, as at least key key areas for a student to look at uh, before they decide whether or not to pursue uh, completing a course like that. And, and you speak of you've mentioned interaction of students, and I I know that um, that's another question I received. What how do do you have to show up at a certain time to have this discussion with students? Um, that's not true, but people don't understand the um. A I can't say the word asynchronous. You know, when it's not not the same time, people show up in a discussion. How do how do discussions work online? Um, they do vary from one school to another. Uh, some schools have specific projected uh, times of the week to meet, and uh, uh, of course, if you have 
uh, students uh, that are uh, in locations overseas that are taking your classes, of course, that has to be factored in too. So, which is what we call asynchronous learning, um, uh, or, or uh, asynchronous being that uh, for schools that that, that that don't mandate specific times, you just have to be able to engage in discussions. The the instructor, faculty member would post discussions that are graded based on responses, and uh, in, in some cases you're required to respond to the other students. Uh, and uh, But because of the time differences, uh, especially across the U.S. and overseas, it's, it's very difficult to make it uh, synchronous. In other words, based on where I'm at, for example, in El Paso, I can't expect everybody uh, to be there at the same time because you have in some cases, 8, 10, 16 hours difference in time zones. And then you have connectivity issues uh, depending on, on whether or not uh, you have outages, uh, you know, in your, in your say, your, your satellite or cable service or even dial-up uh, some students are still using. But, uh, so a lot of that depends. But the, 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 the contribution that students make with other students depends on how that is structured and I, I think one of the best ways to learn is, is to see what other students are writing and then, of course, assuming that you've read your material uh, for that particular topic, you get to weigh in and see what other students say about your opinions. And at the same time, it's being graded by, by the, uh, the faculty instructor. But one, of the, one of the things that I found, um, one of the biggest benefits for me personally in teaching online and having these discussion groups is that Many of my students are, are, are mature working adults uh, in their professions, and a number of them actually work uh, on some of the topics related to the topics that I, I bring about in some of my classes. And so I wind up becoming a, a student of the very courses I teach, which I, I think is, 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 is fascinating. Uh, and, it, and it helps improve um, my understanding of, of what is actually going on in the worlds that they serve, in the professions that they serve, uh, related again related to the discussions uh, going on in class, and that often helps me uh, fine tune uh, objectives and or even update material from time to time. So the the, the the discussions on online in the classes between students, I think, is a fascinating aspect of learning, um, and then of course uh, instructor involvement. Yes, and I, I enjoy those discussions as well. I also think that the discussions help all students participate and learn from one another or, you know, whereas you might have, if you're in a regular classroom, you might have a few people who tend to talk a lot and other people just are listeners, whereas you show up in the classroom and you, you contribute, everyone contributes and the variety of contributions um, are Quite interesting, and as you said, I also find that I learn from my students. Um, I learn from their papers. I learn from the discussions. Since my um, Empire State College is in New York State, most many of the students are in New York State, even though they can be from other areas, and they, there's usually a few from from other states, and sometimes I don't believe other countries, but people who have come here from other countries, and I always have a few officers, and often I have an NYPD officer who knows a lot about crime analysis in my course. So it's always the students can learn not only from me, a former analyst, but from professionals in the field. And as you said, 
many of my the students are adults. Um, there are some new students in, in some courses, but they're adults who have work experience even in other fields, and they bring that knowledge to to the discussions. And, and that speaks also to the advantage of online learning is that yes, if you have you need adequate technology, but the ability to do it any time, you can be a very busy adult and still earn a degree if you're very if you're self-disciplined and you really want the degree, and and that opens up doors for many people to earn um, higher degrees or 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 additional degrees to prepare them for other professions, and and that's an advantage can't be um, under estimated it's just a, such a wonderful thing um, what what um you're the director of tr of I don't have it in front of me can I just have to I minimize oh, it um, director of training education and career development for the yes. International Association of law enforcement intelligence analysts so you, you and you also have your your website um, www.intelligenceisafuture.com. what um what what drew you to, to take on this role and, and start your website? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, what, why, why did you become, what drew you to become, you know, so involved in ILEA at that, you know, that you would um, focus on the, the training, education, and career development? What's the appeal for you, and, or what do you do in that role? Ah, uh, I, I have a, I have, I have this, this passion about uh, not just teaching and learning, but, but, but doing uh, uh, research to provide, uh, well, uh, both the membership and even non-members, uh, analysts in general, and anyone else who's interested with the opportunities that are out there that they may not be familiar with or even know that exist. Um, uh, I, I, I wanted to, to make uh, or to leave a mark uh, in, in the growth of the profession in terms of educational opportunities, in terms of training opportunities, and uh, the value of, of constant learning in, in, in the growth, uh, the career path of, of, of any analyst. Uh, I've, I've been, as you, as you saw from my bio, uh, having been in the military and then um, uh, in many years since then, I'm still on a constant learning curve, and so I think that I bring that passion and that drive into uh, the training, education, career development aspect of, of ILEA, and 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 helping people help themselves, uh, whether it's whether it's uh, announcing and or making available training opportunities or uh, the links to our uh, academic sponsors with ILEA. Um, and or or even even uh, career uh, career related materials such as uh, uh, job vacancies related to intelligence related to crime analysis across the United States and so I find that very exciting and it's something that that uh, fueled my passion and actually helped it and and it was the same pretty much the same reason uh, with my website that I founded a few years back and. Um, I've been uh, there's there's just so much information in there, and there's not enough time to really kind of describe a lot of it. But but many of the free training opportunities that I mentioned earlier, to include Anacampa Sciences and and many others, including uh, Naval Postgraduate School and Department of Homeland Security. If anyone's interested, there, there are graduate programs there that are available that are paid for by the government uh, for eligible uh, Homeland Security professionals and those in law enforcement. 
So I'm always constantly looking out for for those sort of opportunities, and and it it, it blends or feeds feeds itself well into my role as director, and 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 that's I'm hoping uh, the mark that I can leave behind so that uh, people would benefit from it, and 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 that's how I got involved, and 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 that's what uh, continues to fuel my my drive to to help others. Um. I'm- I know American Military University and Henley Putnam University are IOEA academic members. What does that mean? Um, what we did several years ago was to to enhance our uh, presence uh, for, for for both IOEA members and even non-IOEA members uh, with universities such as uh, Henley Putnam, Long Island University, even Merseyhurst, uh, Northwestern, North Central, and, and AMU. Uh, programs that are online for the most part because unlike uh, your fixed campuses, which not all ILEM members can attend, uh, what online schools uh, that would like to become academic members provide the curriculum that would be of interest to analysts in general. And so we began recruiting uh, various universities to include Penn State, uh, which joined us a little over a year ago. Uh, and they have a, an interesting uh, degree program online on GIS, and um, and, and the list goes on. Uh, when you visit the website, you, you'll see uh, many of the other schools and links that take you to directly to their websites. But that was an interest on behalf of ILEA that we wanted to pursue, and uh, the the academic members uh, are provided a number of opportunities to to discuss their program. And in fact, in the upcoming ILEA. LEIU conference in uh, the latter part of April in Las Vegas, I'll be hosting a a separate session for academic members and other people that want to attend uh, to kind of get a feel for the programs that are being offered by these schools. And I I think it's a a win-win for both um, universities and uh, institutions as well as uh, training providers. Uh, so we, we don't leave out the training providers. I mean, we, we definitely include them as well because uh, they, those are obvious uh, benefits to, to the members and non-members alike. And so this listening to another obvious advantage of online learning is you don't have to um, go away from your family um, or move out of state to, to attend a university to get a certain degree if it's online. You can do it where you are and keep your your same life and maybe study under certain people that you would like to study under or a certain um, certain type of degree that you would is not local and you could never in the past you could never hope to obtain and now if it's offered online you could obtain it if you do the hard work necessary of course um, so let's speak a little bit about a few programs I know I I have also taught online for Tiffin University Tiffin University's um, has an online program that offers a degree, a few degree. I think I even a master's degree in crime analysis. I haven't looked at it recently, but I do know that there are former crime analysts or current crime analysts teaching in that program. Um, would you? I'm thinking because this show is related to the development of crime and intelligence analysis and policing. What other programs might be related to learning more about analysis or having a degree that, if you're an analyst, might be a little more specific to to you compared to a general degree. In, in uh, there, 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 
there are so many of them, and and again, some of them are mentioned. Uh, a number of them actually are mentioned on my website. Uh, one that comes to mind is Michigan State University, under uh, the auspices of uh, Dr. Dave Carter. Uh, several years ago, they introduced a master's master's uh, master's of science in criminal intelligence analysis. Uh, again, uh, 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 predominantly online. You have. Um, uh, for those that are just interested in 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 in, in other aspects of uh, law enforcement and or crime analysis, you have Clackamas Community College up in Oregon. Uh, they offer one credit hour classes online that may be of interest. Um, and of course, the the academic members with the hyperlinks that are on the ILEA website, uh, as you'll see, are, are just you know additional examples of, of those that offer. Uh, crime analysis or uh, courses related to intelligence and law enforcement. Um, so uh, there are those universities that, that are available, uh, whether it's through the ILEA connection or, or through my website, just, just, to be, just as starters, just to get an idea uh, as you go through them. And many other universities continue, uh, as we, even as we speak, to come online with with degree programs because they realize that uh, a, a lot of the technology available today, uh, a lot of students or prospective students are more amenable to dealing with uh, their laptops or, or or even from work uh, if they have that that sort of allowance or or from home uh, or even from a BlackBerry. So many other schools uh, and, and many that are accredited. Are, are beginning to unveil their programs. Johns Hopkins University, I believe, has a master's level program, although I don't know if they're online yet. But but uh, it, it's just an, an example of, of of what we have been seeing develop over the years, and I think it's 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 an exciting opportunity. Uh, whereas a few years ago, perhaps there weren't as many choices. Now there's there's quite a bit. So as I mentioned earlier, the homework is up to the student as to you know where he or she decides uh, they want to want to go, depending on on what's available. Right, and and for those listeners who aren't who don't know, the ILEA website is, is www.ialeia.org. So, and you also are um, a member of the International Association for Intelligence Education. Maybe you could speak a bit about that association. Oh yes, IAFI, as it's commonly referred to, uh, was founded uh, a few years ago at Merseyhurst College, uh, one of the um, uh, institutions that have been around for for many years, and in fact uh, created the first intelligence degree program for analysts. And um, uh, there was an interest in, in creating an association which brought in academics and, and, and many from uh, the Washington, D.C. area and federal government, Department of Defense, uh, and even business uh, and law enforcement. And IAFI was created, uh, and they have their own website, which is uh, at uh, www.iafie.org. And, uh, and you can read their mission statement there. But and they have a conference that's coming up uh, in May at the University of Maryland uh, in, 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 uh, uh, towards the end of May. And when you 
click on their website and go to the link for the conference, you'll note that a lot of the discussions uh, for the panels that are going to be established for that, for that particular conference will look at online teaching. In fact, I'll be on one of those panels uh, to discuss teaching intelligence online. So uh, uh, Merzihurst uh, and IAFI, um, I think, are a great contribution to those that are interested in pursuing intelligence and analysis, uh, a lot of developments uh, being fielded uh, in that area on behalf of IAFI, and just to include people uh, such as uh, Dr. Mark Lowenthal and, and, and Richard Hewer, who, uh, as you uh, remember, uh, is the author of uh, Analysis of Competing Hypotheses. And, and so both of them and many others uh, in, in academia are, are involved in, in making major contributions to um, education. And, and again, uh, this coming May in University of Maryland, uh, uh, the focus is online education. Right, and, and um, the intelligence experts, those the persons you mentioned were, were at the CIA level. And you know, as I worked at the local level in law enforcement, I was still able to um, participate myself in colloquiums at Mercyhurst in the early stages before IFE was developed. And you know, the debate of what do can we teach intelligence? Is intelligence a discipline? It's still ongoing, but obviously all these programs have, have developed over time and um, as Mercyhurst, as you said, was the first program to focus on the, on the analysts and intelligence. What um, what some of our listeners maybe not maybe they haven't hung around this long, but they're going to say, well, what how can intelligence be related from the continuum of the local level law enforcement agency to the level of the CIA? And could you just maybe give me your opinion on that? Uh, well, that's always been sort of. Um, uh, uh, a mixed issue, uh, quite a, a hot topic in some cases, and uh, some confusion remains uh, over over what intelligence does at the local level. But I think many, uh, unlike perhaps in the 70s and 80s, where we saw examples of what intelligence should not have been doing, uh, today we see it as a, a viable force multiplier for, for commanders. Uh, chiefs of police, sheriffs, uh, and in, 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 in the objective of, of having to deal with combating crime and or at least leveling the playing field. Uh, but there's a lot of issues involved in the collection of information and its legitimacy and making sure that there, is, there are oversight uh, programs in place that, that uh, at least guarantee or, or reduce any problems related to uh, privacy and um, ethics. So the, the intelligence is, is not, not, not something new to law enforcement. And in fact, many of them, if not everyone, uh, kind of does it as a byproduct of what they do from day to day. Uh, it's, it's just kind of funneling it into a program that's more focused that can contribute uh, to their efforts to help, uh, whether it's crime reduction or reallocation of forces, uh, perhaps even uh, justifying uh, better budgets uh, in the following years, uh, if not locally, at least maybe perhaps even federally uh, with partnerships. So uh, there, there is, in my view, I think there, there's always going to be a, a viable need to have uh, in place an analytical uh, intelligence cadre, if you will, 
uh, of, uh, of experts, uh, both law enforcement uh, officers as well as the, the, the well-trained analysts. I think there will always be a need for that. And so, uh, and, and those are just off the top of my head some, some things to look at uh, regards to the use of intelligence in law enforcement uh, at the local and state levels. And even in, in Iraq, the, the um, military was trying to learn from law enforcement how better to analyze certain situations because they weren't familiar, they were responsible for the urban crime, and so they needed the expertise of, of law enforcement. So it's learning from one another and realizing that ultimately intelligence is, is information that's been processed and analyzed so you can pr produce some actionable information for decision makers. Um, we only have about a minute left, David. Is there something you would like to add that we haven't discussed so far? Well, um, uh, again, thank you so much for having me on this morning uh, to discuss uh, uh, these topics. I, I, I think it's fascinating. I, I think the future of online learning uh, continues to grow, and I think the possibility, uh, the opportunities uh, for for crime and intelligence analysts are are considerable. There there's so many ways to go about uh, enhancing one's uh, uh, learning abilities through both training and education, and so uh, I'm glad to have been and still remain a part of that uh, in the future. And 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 again. Uh, uh, Many thanks to you for 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 uh, being uh, the professional colleague with me over the years, uh, looking at this issue on and off. And um, uh, I hope hopefully your, your listeners will have uh, perhaps made some decisions based on what we've talked about this morning. And also, um, this the programs for analysts or to study crime analysis and intelligence studies or intelligence analysis online are not limited to analysts. Um, learning how to analyze um, information or learning how the role of, of intelligence and crime analysis in policing can benefit law enforcers, law enforcers who are looking to just get a higher degree to prepare them for the future. You don't, just because you get a degree in it doesn't mean you have to work in it as an analyst. And so I would encourage any listeners to explore the programs out there and to keep an open mind and, and to think out of the box because um, this type of work um, can help you be a better professional in law enforcement at any level, actually. Um, and so now we're at the end of the show. I'd like to thank the listeners for joining us on Analyst Corner. Stay tuned for more expert guests and best practices in crime and intelligence and policing. Again, thank you, David. Thank you for coming on the show, and I hope that you come back someday. Thank you, Deborah. I look forward to it. Okay. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Yeah.